part of my story uh, is that I grew up in a single parent home. My parents divorced when I was five years old. My dad left my mom to, quote, find himself. And when I was nine years old, he came uh, to an encounter with God that resulted in him becoming a follower of Jesus. And I'll never forget the changes my dad made and to see his life radically changed uh, after that decision. And uh, my, my sister and I would, would visit my dad on weekends and he would talk to us about the Lord. And whenever we would visit him on weekends, we would go to church uh, with him. When I was in my teen years, I wanted nothing to do with God. And I told him. In fact, I told him that when uh, my sister and I would visit him, that I did not want to go to church. And he would try to talk to me about that, but I grew more antagonistic. Uh, he just kept praying for me. And every once in a while would bring the conversation back up again. I remember my freshman year in college, my dad giving me this, this little book. It was the Gospel of John. I'm sure he prayed a lot about it, and it was a big deal. And he said, Chris, I, I'd, I'd like for you to be willing to read this little book. It's a short read. It won't take you very long. But would you do this for me? I think to his surprise, I said yes, and I, it was out of more respect for him than anything. I read the Gospel of John, and when I finished, I gave it back to my dad, and I said it was a really good story, uh, but my words, it did nothing for me. It didn't move me at all. I could only imagine how disappointed he was. My antagonism toward God and the church were at an all-time high. I'm so glad my dad never gave up on me, however. He never wrote me off when it could have been very easy to do. He kept praying and he would give me space and then he would re-engage with me. The summer between my sophomore and junior year in college, I surrendered my life to Jesus in faith and my life radically changed from there going forward. God clearly never gave up on me either, and I'm so glad. Let me tell you, there, there are certain people, and if I had to be dead honest with you this morning, there are certain people that I have personally in my depths of my heart have in fact written off. There are people I've shared the gospel with repeatedly over the years who have not been interested and I've concluded they will never turn their lives to Jesus. And I want to tell you this morning that God never writes anyone off. Is there anyone in your life right now that if you could just picture it, it's very difficult for you to picture that this person who you know would in fact turn their life over to Jesus and become his follower? Are there some people in your mind, names and faces that come to mind that you can't even imagine would come to faith in Jesus and begin genuinely following him? Who comes to mind for you?
Have you written them off? Today's part three of a three-part series called Leave No One Behind. The theme of this series has been the following. Jesus is always willing to go to great lengths to pursue the last, the least, and the lost with the gospel. And he calls us to follow his example in the same way. He leaves no one behind and neither should we. We've read many passages during this series that describe the way religious leaders of Jesus' day tried to leave many people behind, but Jesus never did. We saw how the religious leaders wanted to leave children behind, but Jesus included them. We saw how the religious leaders wanted to leave those with physical abilities, disabilities behind, but Jesus included them. How the religious leaders wanted to leave those with a lot of sin in their life behind, but Jesus always included them. You see, the religious leaders of the day had a tendency to to push people out and to push people down. And Jesus welcomed people in and raised people up. If you've been around grace, you've heard us say the following many times. We are a church that welcomes people of all backgrounds, black, white, Brown, married, single, divorced, living together, gay, straight, trans, addict, recovering addict, rich, poor, young, old, religious, atheist, and everything in between. We believe everyone has brokenness and is in need of the mercy of God. Everybody. You see, the church can have a tendency to to push people out and to push people down. The church has done that over the years. What God calls the church to do is to welcome people in and raise people up as we follow the example of Jesus. During our first message, we said that the reason why we don't want to leave anyone behind is because God hasn't left us behind. And so how could we possibly leave anyone behind? During our second message, we said that we need to make intentional efforts to pursue the people around us who both society and the church can tend to marginalize and push away. People like the young and the old. People with addictions. People who have same-sex attraction or desire gender changes. People with special needs. People with mental illness or other physical disabilities. In, In looking at the parable with the lost sheep and the lost coin we saw that it requires us to diligently and intentionally seek after those who have a tendency to get left behind. We have to pursue people, love people, build relationships with people, and share the gospel with 
people. The foundation of this series is found in, in, in Luke chapter 15, where Jesus is addressing this very issue. And he gives three parables in a row, hitting on the same theme within each parable. The first parable called the lost sheep, the second called the lost coin, and the third called the lost son. We spent some time in week one looking at the lost sheep. We spent time last week in week two looking at the lost coin. Today we'll spend a few moments looking at the lost son. And so if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. And we're going to look at this parable of the lost son. Luke chapter 15, and we'll begin at verse 11. It says this, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together. All he had set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a, a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead. And is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants, one of the servants, and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. It's amazing. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father, father went out and pleaded with him, but his 
But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now we've spent some time the last year looking at this particular story and this particular parable here at Grace. It's it's helpful to remember the context of all three of these parables. What is the context? Because when we're interpreting a passage of Scripture, we must look at the context in order to have the proper interpretation. So you have to constantly be asking yourself when you're reading a passage, what's the context? Well, we find the context at the beginning of the chapter before the three parables are shared in verses one and three, one through three. So let's look at the context. Here's the, to- the, the, the context of the parables. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Why? Because he welcomed them in and was raising them up. But the Pharisees, who had a tendency, by the way, to push people out and push people down, muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then, in that context, Jesus gives these three parables. So the context is the religious leaders who push people out and push people down. And we know based on the context that the primary point of this third parable, the lost son, is about the attitude of the loss of the older son. That's the primary point, the attitude of the older son. And when we spent time unpacking the danger of the moral person who bases their relationship with God based on their moral living, this is what the older son did. We said that back when we've looked at this passage, moral people can be the ones who are most spiritually deceived because they don't know they're lost and in need of mercy. And this applies in particular to the most for church people. Because there's a tendency to compare yourselves to the rest of the world. And then when you compare yourselves to the rest of the world, you look pretty good and you think, well, I'm doing all right. Not comparing yourself to the holiness of God. And so this is what the older son does. Well, he compares himself to his younger son and But let's dive a little deeper here into the mind of the older son. Not only is Jesus exposing his false thinking regarding a relationship with God based on good living and moral living, but Jesus is also exposing the attitude he had about the younger son because he had written the younger son off. 
The father in the story, of course, is representing God. And he welcomes home the younger son after a long season of rejection and wild living. God's arms are always open. He never writes off the youngest son, even though others, including the older son, had written him off. But as Jesus is directing this parable to the religious leaders, he's, he's making the point, you're, you're, you're too much like the older son. You have written people off because you can't imagine them coming back or following. And I never write people off. Now, let's, let's be clear. The younger son had many opportunities to repent and believe, to turn back to his father. Many opportunities. And the, even though he rejected those opportunities time and time again, we know it's never too late. It's never too late. As long as someone has breath, as long as someone has life, it's never, ever too late. It doesn't matter how many times they have rejected or not been interested or rejected or not been interested. Starting next week, as, as Allison said, we're starting this six-part series called Parables, the Parables of Jesus. And during this series, we're going to hear from six different speakers all sharing their favorite parable and teaching on their favorite parable. And Levi is going to kick us off next week. And it is going to be amazing. But this parable in particular, as we've been looking at these last three together, is a powerful reminder that no matter how far someone strays from God, no matter how long it's been, no matter how many times they've rejected the gospel, it's never too late. There will be a day when it's too late. When they take that last breath, at that time, it is too late. But until that day, there's always an opportunity. So there are certain people in my life that I want so badly to come to faith. And I've reached out to them many times over the years. But they've just not been open. And I have to be honest, some of them I've written off. I, I honestly, I can't even imagine them coming to faith. It just, it's hard for me to even picture it. And I've written them off. And I shouldn't. Now, it's true that when you have opportunities to share the gospel or to engage with someone, if they're not open, we don't ever, ever push or force or coerce. 
if anyone's not open, we give them space and we move on. In fact, Jesus taught this principle. It says in Matthew 10, 14, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words as you're sharing about the kingdom and about the gospel, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. In other words, you don't just keep pushing. You test the waters and if they're not open, you move on. But in moving on, it doesn't mean that there are no times where you go back and you see if they're open now. And so I've practiced this over the years when someone's not open. I'm respectful. But just because someone's not open at one time, it doesn't mean they'll never be open. And so you go back. Think of what happened to when the younger son said he wanted his inheritance now, when he said to his father, I want my inheritance now. I mean, everyone knew what he was doing. The father knew what he was doing. The older son knew what he was doing. And probably the the father came to his son and said, okay, yeah, I'll give you inheritance, but I don't think this is a good idea. And perhaps the older son had a conversation with the younger and said, bro, man, what are you doing? I mean, get your life right. But the, the, the younger son wanted nothing to do with anyone's counsel. He knew what he wanted, and he was going down the wrong road. And so the older brother just said, well, I'm, I'm writing it off. And I mean, can you half blame him? Can you half blame the old, older brother for writing his younger brother off? But the father never did. See, part of leaving no one behind, part of leaving no one behind is a willingness to go back to those that you have shared the gospel with or engaged with spiritual conversation who wasn't open at the time, at some point to go back and see if anything has changed. I'm so glad that my dad kept coming back Statistics tell us that someone hears the gospel seven times before they repent and believe. For some, it may be 50 times. Who comes to mind? Who have you reached out to in the past? They just weren't interested. And you thought, well, I've I've brought that up a few times. I'm moving on. Never to go back. Who would God call you to go back and re-engage and test the waters, being very respectful, but to see if there's any openness? Who would God lead you to do that with this week? Who have maybe you've never engaged with the gospel? You've known them a long time. Maybe it's a, a friend or a family member or a neighbor or a colleague at work. Never engage with the gospel because you can't even imagine Who are you leaving behind? Because you, for whatever reason, have written them off. I want to pause and just as we close our time, just to to bow in prayer. And let me allow the Holy Spirit to bring a face or a name or a few faces and names to mind. 
that he wants to bring to your heart right now. Let's just pause, just bow, just close your eyes and just bow your head for a moment and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Who is the Holy Spirit bringing to mind right now that needs Jesus? And how does God want you to engage with them this week? And would you be willing, if God's calling you to and drawing your attention to someone right now, would you be willing or are you unwilling? Let me just pause. And for the sake of accountability and to actually say at least one name out loud, just take a moment and just share with the person next to you the name that comes to mind, assuming it's not confidential or sensitive to the person you're talking to. But let's actually say the name out loud. And maybe there's a few names but let's say the name out loud just for a moment. Go ahead. Just share with the person next to you the name or the face that's coming to mind just for a moment. And let's just take a moment for 30 seconds and let's just pray. Pray for that person next to you that he or she would actually follow the leading of the Spirit this week. Just go ahead and just pray. Just real brief prayers. It could be a couple of sentences let me give you an opportunity just to pray with the person next to you about the name that was shared. Go ahead, just pray with one another. Really brief prayers, nothing long. Just a couple of sentences. And so, Lord, I just, I just pray for all of these names and these faces that matter to you, that you love way more than we love, and that you leave no one behind. There's always opportunity. There's, there's, the time is short. But while this person and these people have life and breath, they have an opportunity to turn their lives to you and receive eternal life. There's nothing more important than eternal life with you. And so, Lord, help us to get over our inadequacies, our fear, our desire for comfort, our lack of boldness, our lack of genuine love. Lord, please, it's a spiritual battle that we're facing right now. It's not a human battle. It's a spiritual battle. And so we pray right now in the spirit realm, in Jesus' name, Lord, give us a heart of compassion for everyone around us, whether they have rejected or have not been interested in the past or whether we've never engaged with them. Lord, help us to see where you're working and who's open, being respectful, but allowing you to use us. And I pray that this week, Lord, if you're calling us this week to take steps of faith to engage with those you're bringing to mind right now, that we would follow you by your spirit. We can't do it on our own. We need you, Lord. We need you.